0: We will pick up at Numbers chapter 17. Let's see how many chapters is Numbers here. Look like I think we'll finish today. Thirty-six now. All right, chapter 17. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the Israelites, and get twelve staffs from them, one from each ancestral house, from all the leaders of their ancestral houses. Write each name, write each man's name on his staff, and write Aaron's name on the staff for Levi, for there shall be one staff for the head of each ancestral house. Then place in the tent of the meeting before the covenant, where I meet you, and the staff of which... And the staff of the man whom I choose shall sprout. Thus I will put a stop to the complaints of the Israelites that they continually make against you. Moses spoke to the Israelites, and all of their leaders gave him staffs, one from each leader, according to their ancestral houses, twelve staffs. And the staff of Aaron was among theirs. So Moses placed the staffs before the Lord in the tent of the covenant. When Moses went into the tent of the covenant on the next day, The staff of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted. It put forth buds, produced blossoms, and bore ripe almonds. Then Moses brought out all the staffs from before the Lord to all the Israelites, and they looked, and each man took his staff. And the Lord said to Moses, Put back the staff of Aaron before the covenant, to be kept as a warning to rebels, so that you may make an end of their complaints against me, or else they will die. Moses did so. Just as the Lord commanded him, so he did. The Israelites...
1: Hi. Hey, good morning. Sorry.
0: That's all right. The Israelites said to Moses, we are perishing. We are lost. All of us lost. Everyone who approaches the tabernacle of the Lord will die. Are all to perish? So we uh, We just went through chapter 17 in Numbers. Um,
1: We're just starting 17. So.
0: Got it. <laughs> yeah, so where we had where we had left off last time, there was that rebellion, um, sort of a pretty major rebellion against Moses, and the Lord cleans house a little bit. Um, so in this instance, um, we're still kind of in chapter seventeen, you know, dealing with the the effects of um, the problem of rebellion among the people, and so what we just read here. Uh, God has Moses take a staff, walking staff, from all the, uh, from all the leaders of the, ancestral, the 12 ancestral tribes, the homes, as they call them here, and place those staffs in the tabernacle. One of them sprouts, and it's Aaron. So Aaron of the Levites will be uh, a leader because his is sprouted. And this is also a warning to the other tribes. Knock it off. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's pick up. I'll read this uh, first couple part of 18, then we'll, we'll pass the baton, so to speak. Chapter 18. The Lord said to Aaron, you and your sons and your ancestral house with you shall bear responsibility for offices connected with the sanctuary, while you and your sons alone shall bear responsibility for offices connected with the priesthood. So bring with you all your brothers in the tribe of Levi." your ancestral tribe, in order that they may be joined to you and serve you while you and your sons with you are in front of the tent of the covenant. They shall perform duties for you and for the whole tent, but they must not approach either the utensils of the sanctuary or the altar, otherwise both, you, both they and you will die. They are attached to you in order to perform the duties of the tent of meeting for all the service of the tent. No outsider shall approach you you yourself shall perform the duties of the sanctuary and the duties of the altar, so that wrath may never come again upon the Israelites. It is I who take your brother, Levites, from among the Israelites. They are now yours as a gift, dedicated to the Lord, to perform the service of the tent of meeting. But you and your sons, you shall diligently perform your priestly duties in all the concerns, the altar, and the area behind the curtain. I give you priesthood as a gift. Any outsider who approaches shall be put to death. I
2: had
0: a question.
2: Yeah. The Levi's, aren't they Aaron's family? Well, yes. And they split the family, the duties of the family?
0: (laughs) Yes. So you and your sons, and wait, you and all, you and your sons and your ancestral house with you shall bear responsibility for offenses connected with the sanctuary while you and your sons alone shall bear responsibility for offenses connected with the priesthood so bring so bring with you also your brothers of the tribe of levi your ancestral tribe in order that they may be joined to you and serve you while your sons you and your sons with you Who are in front of the tent of the covenant. They shall perform duties for you and for the whole tent, but they must not approach either the utensils of the sanctuary or the altar. So... Uh,
2: Who did he say that to, Aaron?
0: So Aaron and his sons are going to do the priestly duties, it sounds like. And then the the, the rest of the Levites are going to serve Aaron and his sons.
1: They don't do any priestly things. They just take do the meeting and things like
0: that. Yeah, so they're they're in the they're in the area, but the people that have to do the actual work behind the curtain, priestly work, are Aaron and his sons. Okay, well,
2: I guess that decreases the number who can do
0: it. It does, yeah,
2: considerably.
0: All right, let's pick up then, get some pick up at verse
2: 8. Then the Lord said to Aaron, And behold, I have given you whatever is kept of the offerings made to me, all of the consecrated things of the people of Israel. I have given them to you as a portion, and to your sons as a perpetual due. This shall be yours, and and the most holy things reserved from the fire, every offering of theirs, every cereal offering of theirs, every sin offering of theirs, and every guilt offering of theirs, which they render to me, shall be most holy to you and to your sons. Does this mean that the, the things that we're going to offer up for sacrifice? hmm Okay, so...
0: They, they get don't to offer eat it. them
2: for sacrifice. It's your
0: food. It's both. Okay.
2: Well, I guess you have to
0: cook it. God's not going to eat it. Someone's <clears> got to <throat> eat it. What's God get from these, remember? What's the... Out, out of all this sort of temple worship, what's what's the gift that God gets from it? The smoke. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. Yeah. The smell. God gets the smell of cooking. But God can't really eat it. So someone has to eat it. God gets the scent. In the
2: most holy place. Shall you eat of it? Every male may eat of it. It is holy to you. This also is yours, the offering of their gifts, all of the wave offerings of the people of Israel. What's a wave offering?
0: Hmm. What verse yet?
2: Eleven. Eleven.
0: Eleven. What do I have here? Ah. Uh-huh.
3: I have given them, I think you've told us at one point, whatever is
0: set aside.
2: You and your sons and your daughters with you as a perpetual do. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat of it.
0: Hmm. I have from the gifts of all the elevation of offerings. Well, let's keep, let's keep going.
2: All the best of the oil and all the best of the wine and of the grain, the first fruits of what they have given to the Lord, I give to you the first ripe fruits of all that is in their land, which they bring to the Lord, shall be yours. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat of it. Every devoted thing in Israel shall be yours. Everything that opens the womb of all flesh, whether man or beast, which they offer to the Lord, shall be yours. Nevertheless, the firstborn of man you shall redeem, and the firstlings of unclean breasts you shall redeem. And their redemption price, at a month old you shall redeem them. You shall fix at five shekels in silver, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, which is twenty duras. But the firstling of the cow, or the firstling of the sheep, or the firstling of a goat, you shall not redeem. They are holy. You shall sprinkle their blood upon the altar, and shall burn their fat as an offering by fire, a pleasing odor to the Lord. Hmm. But this flesh shall be yours as the breast that was weighed, and as the right thigh are yours. All the holy offerings which the people of Israel present to the Lord I give to you and to your sons and daughters with you as a perpetual due. It is a covenant, a salt for every, forever before the Lord for you. And for your offering with you. And the Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in your land, neither shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the people of Israel." Okay, so that means they're not going to do any work or anything like that. Would
1: this not make the people irritated at the Levites though? They bring all these offerings, and then they get to take it all.
0: Sure. So what was the, what was the um, story that precedes this in 17?
1: Well, that's when the staff chose Levi. Right. Or Aaron.
0: Right. And, and specifically, what does the staff stand there as? An almond tree. Well, it sprouts. In, it sprouts into a sort of an almond tree, yes. But it, it stands as a warning against rebellion. So I think you're right, Sylvia. People are going to be less than pleased with this. Because, and Mary, I take offense that you saying they're not going to do any work. Their work is the priestly duties. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> but you're right. They're not going to be. They're not going to be out in the fields. Um, and Sylvia, you're right. People are going to be mad. That's why the staff that the Lord has grown stands as a reminder, basically, don't challenge this system. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's right. They, they are going to be a little upset by this. Now, one of the things we had mentioned is some of this meat, um, at least later will become a communal sort of feast. Um, so there are, there are markers in here for communal feasting. Um, but someone has to do the work of the temple. They can't be doing other things. And they've got to be taken care of. Um, and it does make it the first and, and choicest and all that kind of stuff. But um, a lot of this will be will be distributed um, to, the, to the wider community. Um, one thing I found interesting here was verse 19. All the holy offerings that the Israelites present to the Lord I have given to you Together with your sons and daughters as a perpetual due, it is a covenant of salt before the Lord for you and your descendants as well. Covenant of salt. Um, does that remind you of anything in scripture? The salt
1: of the earth. Okay. Somebody turned into a pillar of salt.
0: So there's the pillar of salt story. There's salt of the earth. Um, I was thinking of Jesus talking about um, you are you are salt, but if salt loses its saltiness, do you remember that? Yes. That <laughs> phrasing, Jesus, um, and even the phrase "worth your salt." Um, salt was a highly valuable commodity, and oftentimes. One of the uses of salt, a, could be used as sort of money and compensation. Some people were paid the salt, mm-hmm. um, and so you have that portion of, you know,
2: they still carry salt the work. Your
0: worth in salt They is, still
2: call, still called, carry the salt across the desert uh, in, you know, things
0: about that size. Yeah, well, it's it, it's important. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially if you live in a, in a climate like that. 're maybe not getting the salt that you need and you're sweating a whole lot and all that kind of thing um, but it was also commonly a um, a point of exchange around the making of contracts to uh, to sort of either base it on salt as the as the underlying monetary value of it or to sort of ritualistically use salt within the within the signing of a, a contract or a covenant between two people. Um, and so when we get into that whole thing about Jesus, when he's talking about salt, um, it really harkens back to that, the important importance of salt in, uh, in antiquity, um, that we just don't necessarily, if you handed someone salt over the counter to try to pay for your goods, they'd look at you pretty funny now, but it would have been,
2: but well, even into the
0: 18th and 19th century,
2: yeah, it was very, very important. And you would get the salt. There were salt mines in West Virginia.
0: Yeah. Uh, there.
2: And I don't know which one of the islands in the Caribbean is practically all salt.
0: Yeah, and you need it. Well, you need it to um, to live. I mean, we need a certain amount of sodium in our in our diet to function biologically the other thing is and we almost i mean we do take it for granted what's Preserve what's that preservative well it's a preservative but i was just thinking too what it does for cuisine mm-hmm. it's a flavor. and we're just so used to things being salted and what that does to boost flavors and all this kind of stuff um you know if salt is not readily available you pretty much you boil your turnip and you eat your boiled turnip and that's that's dinner for the night, right? So that's, you know, imagine if you could just add a pinch of salt to that. Oh my gosh, now it's a completely different meal. Isn't
2: it, isn't it salt it something to do with explosive
0: also? I don't know. Does salt explode? Mm,
2: which is why mm. it was, donations it was
0: uh, important. That one I do not know. either. But yes, the the preservative nature, what it does for food, the fact that we need it, um, all that. All right. Can someone pick up 21 through the end of the chapter?
1: To the Levites, I have given every tithe in Israel for possession in return for the service that they perform, the service in the tent of meeting. From now on, the Israelites shall no longer approach the tent of meeting, or else they will incur guilt and die. But the Levites shall perform the service of the tent of meeting, and they shall bear responsibility for their own offenses, if it, it shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations. But among the Israelites they shall have no allotment, because I have given to the Levites as their portion the tithe of the Israelites, which they set apart as an offering to the Lord. Therefore I have said of them that they should shall not, They shall have no allotment among the Israelites. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, You shall speak to the Levites, saying, When you receive from the Levites the tithe that I have given you from them for your portion, you shall set apart an offering from it to the Lord, a tithe of the tithe. It shall be reckoned to you as your gift, the same as the grain of the threshing floor and the fullness of the winepress. Thus you shall set apart an offering to the Lord, from all the tithes that you receive from the Israelites, and from them you shall give the Lord's offering to the priest Aaron. Out of all the gifts to you, you shall set apart every offering due to the Lord. The best of all of them is is the part to be consecrated. Say also to them, When you have set apart the best of it, then the rest shall be reckoned to the Levites as produce of the threshing floor, and as produce of the wine, Press, you may eat it in any place, you and your households, for it is your payment for your service in the tent of meeting. You shall incur no guilt by reason of it when you have offered the best of it, but you shall not profane the holy gifts of the Israelites on pain of death.
0: All right. So re establishing, reestablishing, and reestablishing again, this is the system, this is the system for the Levites. And much more warning with it this time. because um, this system's already been talked about, you know, the priestly system coming to coming to be. But I don't know, you can just it, it's post rebellion, this one rebellion that's happened, you can feel a lot more emphasis on don't try don't try to challenge us, don't try to challenge us, don't try to challenge this. Don't try to challenge this. Um, we'll continue in chapter 19. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, This is the statute of the law that the Lord has commanded. Tell the Israelites to bring you a red heifer without blemish, in which there is no blemish, and on which no yoke has been laid. You shall give it to the priest Eleazar, and it shall be taken outside the camp and slaughtered in his presence. The priest Eleazar shall take some of its blood with his finger, and sprinkle it seven times toward the front of the tent meeting. Then the heifer shall be burned in his sight. Its skin, its flesh, and its blood with all its dung shall be burned. The priest shall take cedarwood, hyssop, and crimson material, and throw them into the fire in which the heifer is burning. Then the priest shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterwards he may come into the camp, but the priest shall remain unclean until evening. The one who burns the heifer shall wash his clothes in water and bathe his body in water. He shall remain unclean until evening. Then someone who is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and deposit them outside the camp in a clean place, and they shall be kept for the congregation of the Israelites, for the water for the water for cleansing. It is a purification offering. The one who gathers the ashes of the heifer shall wash his clothes and be unclean till evening. This shall be a perpetual statute for the Israelites and for the alien residing among them. Those who touch the dead body of any human being shall be unclean seven days. They shall purify themselves with the water on the third day and on the seventh day, and so be clean. But if they do not purify themselves on the third day and on the seventh day, they will not be clean. All who touch a corpse, the body of a human being who has died, and do not purify themselves, defile the tabernacle of the Lord. Such persons shall be cut off from Israel. Since water for cleansing was not dashed on them, they remain unclean. Their uncleanness is still on them. This is the law when someone dies in a tent. Everyone who comes into the tent, and everyone who is in the tent, shall be unclean seven days. And every open vessel with no cover fastened on it is unclean. Whoever in the open field touches one who has been killed by sword, or has died naturally, or a human bone, or a grave, shall be unclean seven days. For the unclean shall take some ashes of the burnt purification offering, and running water shall be added in a vessel. Then a clean person shall take hyssop, dip it in the water, and sprinkle it on the tent and all the furnishings, on all the persons who were there, and on whoever touched the bone, the slain, the corpse, or the grave. The clean person shall sprinkle the unclean ones on the third day, and on the seventh day thus purifying them on the seventh day. Then they shall wash their clothes and bathe themselves in water, and at evening they shall be clean. All who are unclean but do not purify themselves, those persons shall be cut off from the assembly, for they have defiled the sanctuary of the Lord. Since the water for cleansing has not been dashed on them, they are unclean. It shall be a perpetual statute for them. The one who sprinkles the water for cleansing shall wash his clothes, and whoever touches the water for cleansing shall be unclean until evening. Whatever the unclean person touches shall be unclean, and everyone who touches it shall be unclean until evening. All right. Cleanliness will always around death. Um, So
1: it says that they're going to take these ashes and deposit them in a clean place, and then they take some of these ashes and mix it with water?
0: Yeah. (coughs) Um, Yeah, and where was that? What verse was that one again? That was...
1: Nine or
0: whatever. uh, Yeah, so the blood is sprinkled. It's interesting, the ashes, and then deposit them outside the camp in a clean place, and they shall be kept for the con- Oh, so this is the ritual washing water. It's interesting. Because I guess it would actually be, don't ashes and water have something about them that uh, sterilizes? Yeah. I don't remember why either, but it, it, there is something about that. So okay, that becomes your ritualistic water for the rest of these, these rituals. Um, one of the things that's interesting, even though blood becomes unclean in and of itself in certain respects, um, the blood of the cow is, is used for the, the first part of sprinkling. And um, blood has often been used throughout a variety of cultures. Um, It's, sometimes we think of, you know, people being completely scientifically unsophisticated. They usually had an idea what blood did. Um, They could, they could understand basic things like, you know, if someone stops breathing, they die. So breathing, there's something about breathing that gives you life. Um, They could probably understand that if someone bled out or, you know, sanguinated like that, that they died. So there's something about blood that's keeping people alive, even if they didn't exactly know what the heart did and all that kind of stuff. Um, but so blood was, was often understood as kind of this like uh, fluid of power, life, life, water sort of, you know, idea. So it's interesting to see that the even though blood will become an example of things unclean in a lot of other portions, things that make you dirty, here, the blood of this, the blood of this cow is actually going to be dripped, and you you get that sense that it's that common understanding that blood has some kind of power in it. Um, I mean, the whole the, the whole the vampire sacrifice. ritual is drawing the drawing sort of the life energy. You know that whole folktale about the vampires. I think, uh, but that's
2: the sacrifice, animal. The blood of
0: the sacrifice. Animal. It's well. Do they call it sacrificed? It's, it's not really... I'm trying to see if they use that word.
2: They bring it in its...
0: So I don't it's think it's really... Yeah, but it's not a sacrifice in the way that other animals are sacrificed. This is almost something that they're getting... It's not the tool, but they're getting things from it. This is how they're going to add the blood to the tent. This is how they're going to make their clean their water for cleansing, too. Um, so yeah it's not a it's not a sacrificial ritual because it doesn't atone for sin or anything now the priest still has to do it but it's a little bit different in that it's more you got to make the cleansing water and this is how the cleansing water is made
1: so this would have been something that went on again and again
0: yeah yeah and maybe if they're still moving Maybe that's the, you know, they set up. They call it camp, right? You set up camp, um, and we've kind of talked about how they're they're not just on the on the constant roaming, but they're moving from place to place, setting up sort of semi permanent camps. It sounds like, um, but yeah, you're going to need this every time you every time you need two batch of cleansing water. Um, <laughs> and what's
1: and, interesting to me is that anybody who touched the dead person they're unclean for seven days but there must have been like there is today there must have been some group of people who you know performed things for the dead and you'd be unclean for a whole week
0: yes <coughs> yes But and why the seven e- and why the seven days uh, seven days of creation seven days of creation alright and why the seven days I think, I think there's two full reason here. So seven, you know, you got the full, full Sabbath cycle, seven days of creation. Um, what's, what's the other reason you think, or could possibly be? If you have COVID, how long are you supposed to isolate now based on current CDC guidance? What's the current one?
3: I'm guessing seven.
0: I think it's five and five right now. No, That's I think seven. it's five. I think you're supposed to be alone for five days and then you can go out for five days with a mask. I think it's the current one. Um, so my why seven? Well, diseases pop up, but not always in the first day or two. And so you have this scenario like... the, I think the most interesting one is the idea of... Well, if you're, if you're in the same tent where someone else has died, okay, They're not framing it like this necessarily. You might have been exposed to something,
1: right?
0: So we're at least going to keep you isolated for a week because we don't know why. But sometimes when people have been exposed to something, they're fine, and then five days later, all of a sudden, they're dead. So we're gonna, we're gonna. There's the ritualistic side of all these, but there's also the the scientific side. You can start to right. They're using this water that seems to have some kind of. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what ash does in water, but there's some, it does... I don't remember if it raises the acid level. That's not it. It does something. I can't remember. Um, but so there's that. You have... What's the other prescription? Not just that the, it's the water with the ash, but what... How do you get made clean? Wash. Yeah, you wash. Take a bath. I oh. mean, that's a... <laughs> so they... They've, either by divine, and, by divine revelation or... Um, or scientific, you know, discovery. They've figured out, uh, okay, if you've been exposed to someone that's dead, probably less to let you be alone for seven days and wash up before you come join the party. Because um, what will happen, I can't remember what the exact You know, you'll sully the tabernacle. You'll spread it. And you'll spread it to the point that maybe the Levites and tons of Aaron will get it. And then they're going to get sick before God. We don't, you know, we don't want like that. Right. Um, but yeah, these are just, they're very wise community statutes about what to do when someone's, they don't really know sick. I mean, gosh, we don't know germs until it's like the 1800s. It's still relatively new or early 1900s. I mean, it's antibiotics were in the 30s and forties. Yeah. Germs are still, but even just germs and how things were, were spread. Um, they used to take as a great sign of healing. Oh gosh, which president did we at? did we kill this way? So there were some doctors that had already switched over to what we consider right now. I think it might have been Garfield. He was shot. He still had one of the doctors trained on the older one, and they looked at pus from infections and they thought, "Oh, that's that's a good sign." <laughs> that ah, mean, really? That means you're healing. <laughs> the
3: infections
2: coming the, out.
0: Yes, that's right. Yeah. Oh, this is, he's doing great. You know, look at all this good. infected pus. We just got things completely wrong. So we didn't you know, diseases and germs, they don't they don't really get the what of it, but they, they they're clearly picking up on the some of the basics about how to keep field sanitation.
2: You wonder how much they picked up from
0: the Egyptians. They had a because the Egyptians had a regular people that made it and turned them into
2: the mummies
0: and all this sort of stuff. You know, that's a good question. on the one hand you wonder how much they picked up from the Egyptians. But the Egyptians are so much more of an established community. I wonder how much was reinventing the wheel based on the type of communal living they were now doing. Um, it's much harder to keep an army disease free. There's something about the way that armies live that just spreads disease. Close quarters, cr- you know, travel, this kind of stuff living in tents, they're living in Egypt, it's, it's established community, they go out in the field, they're like an army now, they're, they're talked about like an army, you know, they're traveling from place to place, having encampments, it's going to be a lot harder to keep disease from spreading unless you start to implement what in the army we call, you know, basic field sanitation, right, all right, let's pick up a 20, the waters of Meribah,
2: And the people of Israel and the whole congregation came to the wilderness of Zim in the first month. And the people stayed in Kaddish and Miriam died there and was buried there. Now, wait a minute, Miriam is
3: Aaron's sister. sister. Yeah. Yeah, their sister.
2: Now, there was no water for the congregation and they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people contended that Moses with Moses and said "When that we had died when our brethren died in the, before the Lord why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into the wilderness that we should die here both we and our cattle and why have you made us come out you know, why have you made it and, uh, both we and our cattle and why have you made us come out up out of Egypt and bring us to this evil place. It is no place for grain, no figs or vines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tent of the meeting and fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, Take the rod and the assemble the congregation. You and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water, so that it shall bring water out of the rock for them. So you shall give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, Hear now. You rebels, shall we bring forth water for you out of the rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his rod twice. The water came forth abundantly, and the congregation drank and their cattle. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me to sanctify me in the eyes of the people of Israel, Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the people of Israel contended with the Lord, and he showed himself holy among them.
0: Okay, so let's, let's pause here because this is, the waters of Meribah is one of the sort of famous stories of Moses here, um, and Aaron. So, the people quarrel, they're, they're out on another journey. There's no water, right? So what do Moses and Aaron do? First.
3: Go to the Lord.
0: All right. They fall on their face before the Lord. What does the Lord tell them? To take
3: the
2: rod. Evidently, the rod that was in the temple.
0: Take the rod. Good.
2: And uh, to hit this rock to
0: bring water out of it. All right. So the Lord spoke to Moses. This is starting at 8 now. Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and your brother, and command the rock before their eyes to yield its water. Thus you shall bring water out of the rock for them. Thus you shall provide drink for the congregation and their livestock. So what does God tell Moses to do? Hit the rock with the
3: rod. Does he? Tell the rock. Command. Command the rock.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. So that's, that's the instruction. So Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he had commanded him. Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock and he said to them, listen, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water came out abundantly and the congregation and the livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me to show my holiness before the eyes of the Israelites, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. So they fall before the Lord, and God tells them to do what? Command the rock. <laughs> but
3: that's not what they did, they struck it.
0: Yes. So it's, they, yeah, take the staff. Command the rock for their eyes to yield its water. So Moses gets up there, yep, strikes it twice. And what's the way that Moses introduced, what, is, what does he say that's, how does he phrase it when he's before them?
3: Should I.
0: Ah, good.
3: Not God. Yep. Or well, it's a, my, my translation says shall we.
0: Right, okay, yeah. But in reference to him and Aaron.
3: Ah not
0: him and God. Right. Got it. Right. So if, if he goes to the rock and commands it to bring water in the name of God, it's, it's going to be much more clearly a miracle of God and show God's glory. Moses gets frustrated, which is kind of relieving. (laughs) I've been waiting for that. You know, Um, unfortunately it's, it's, it's a bad result, but this is my sinful side. I, you wonder why Moses hasn't quit yet and said, all right, nuts that's to you all. <laughs> really? I'm, I'm done with you. <laughs> I got I better. I hate this job. I hate this job. I got better <laughs> things to do. <laughs> um, but in, in his frustration, he hits the rock. It does not seem like... Um, this has always been a strange one when it's explained because it doesn't seem necessarily like the worst thing ever.
3: No, it doesn't
0: um but what is it what is it revealing about Moses in this moment that's different maybe he's beginning to doubt and wants to be powerful maybe yeah or or even if well so that's one way to look at it so there's a couple of things we've noted about Moses right he doesn't want to be powerful at all so he demonstrates some power here okay so maybe that's a bad sign um he is sort of humble beyond humble and, and you know, um, pious and, and meek and quiet. And these are kind of the hallmarks of Moses. Um, he's not here. Listen up, you rebels. Now, he does get mad before. He gets mad when he comes down from the, the mountain of God. Um, and he gets ma- after. That's one of the great ones, too. He tells God not to be bad. And then he gets down there and then he's furious. But that's sort of on God's behalf, too. He's frazzled here and every other time he's been frazzled um, he's really turned back to God this time he doesn't so you know it seems like a small thing but you can I think there's a way to understand it that is okay maybe he's maybe this isn't for him anymore you know something's changing
2: he's getting old
0: He's he's getting old Old and crabby. He's always getting cranky. Yeah, yeah, he's getting a little cranky. Um, so it will not be for him. All right, but yeah, that's the that's the striking of the rock, and uh, that's what causes. That's what leads to Moses um, not being permitted to to enter in. All right. From fourteen, Moses sent messengers from Kadesh to the king of Edom. Thus says your brother Israel You know all the adversity that has befallen us, how our ancestors went down to Egypt, and we lived in Egypt a long time, and the Egyptians oppressed us and our ancestors. And when we cried to the Lord, he heard our voice and sent an angel and brought us out of Egypt. And here we are in Kadesh, a town on the edge of your territory. Now let us pass through your land. We will not pass through field or vineyard or drink water from any well. We will go along the king's highway, not turning aside to the right hand or to the left until we have passed through your territory. But Edom said to him, you shall not pass through or we will come out with sword against you. The Israelites said to him, we will stay on the highway. And if we drink of the water, we and our livestock, then we will pay for it. It is only a small matter. Just let us pass through on foot. But he said, you shall not pass through. And Edom came out against them with a large force, heavily armed. Thus, Edom refused to give Israel passage through their territory. So Israel turned away from them. <sighs> Always keep those things in mind, story of the Edomites. Can someone pick up at verse 22?
3: <clears throat> and they journeyed from Kaddish, and the people of Israel, the whole congregation, came to Mount Hor. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, and Aaron at Mount Hor on the border of the land of Edom, Aaron shall be gathered to his people, and he shall not enter the land which I have given to the people of Israel, because you rebelled against my command at the waters of Meribah. Take Aaron and Eleazar his son, and bring them up to Mount Hor, and strip Aaron of his garments, and put them upon Eleazar his son and Aaron shall be gathered to his people, and shall die there. Moses did as the Lord commanded, and they went up to Mount Hor in the sight of all the congregation. And Moses stripped Aaron of his garments and put them upon Eleazar his son, and Aaron died there on the top of the mountain. Then Moses and Eleazar came down from the mountain, and when all the congregation saw that Aaron was dead, all the house of Israel wept for Aaron thirty days."
0: We'll continue into 21, at least this first part. So can someone read 21, the first nine verses?
1: When the Canaanite, the king of Arad, who lived in the Negev, heard that Israel was coming by way of Atharim, he fought against Israel and took some of them captive. Then Israel made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed give this people into our hands, then we will utterly destroy their towns. The Lord listened to the voice of Israel and handed over the Canaanites, and they, were utterly, dis- and they utterly destroyed them in their towns. So the place was called Hormath. From Mount Hor they set out by the way of, to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people became impatient on the way. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? but there is no food and no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent poisonous serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many Israelites died. Then the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord to take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole, And everyone who is bitten shall look on it and live. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. And whenever a serpent bit someone, that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live." (coughs) All right. Well,
2: they had it before. And it was Aaron who made the serpent. And the people looked on the serpent and lived.
0: Yes. It really
1: sounds like they're going in a circle here. Well yeah, because now they're going way to the Red Sea. It They've already back, come so from the Red, Red Sea.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, they're they're still all in the same it's not a it's not a huge, huge land that they're traveling oh. through. Um, so let me see if I can find that. And this is one of these um, So everyone's kind of seen this before, I would assume. The the symbol, the medical serpent on the pole. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, this is the staff of Aesculapius, Ascle- And the Asclepian. I'm getting those wrong. Um, but it was a uh, it was sort of a Greek Greek symbol for one of the Greek gods of healing and medicine um, so it's interesting that it shows up here in the story of the, the Israelites as well so the the image that we find in that sort of medical um, blue cross or blue star or whatever it is um, is not necessarily from the story of the Israelites but the Israelites have this very similar story too about the serpent on the pole, um, intended for healing. What's What's really remarkable, and and you can kind of, I think, understand the the probable influence of their neighbors. Um, whether that's in the time of Moses and Aaron, or whether this is one of maybe those stories that bleeds in later. Um, what happens in Genesis 2? So when the serpent tempts Eve? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I guess in a lot of cultures, it's not. It's not strange that snakes have had a um, sort of dual relationship with humanity. Uh, on the one hand, they are seen as powerful and potent, because they are. Um, they're fast, they fight hard, they are poisonous, many of them. On the other hand, also associated with what? Evil, wickedness. And yet here... Is snake imagery being used for healing, um, which is kind of odd for God's people in two respects. What's what's odd about this snake on a pole? If we're just it looks thinking, looks like an idol. Looks kind of like an idol, right? Yeah. I mean, it's this thing you look at, and it. Heals you. Now it's from God, so it's different. Right. But still. Yeah, still. And going back to Genesis 2, what what does it say very early on for God's people in the scriptures about their relationship with snakes?
3: Stay away from
0: them. Even well, even more so. You will have enmity and uh, yes. the sons and daughters of Eve will crush the head of the snakes under their heels. Um, so I, I do sort of wonder, you know, about this particular item and the influence of other cultures and and how that shows itself again, whether that's because the Egyptians obviously, you know, had snakes as part of their imagery and they're coming from Egypt. So there's that, um, or is it later on when they're influenced by the Greek neighbors and and their use of the, the snake specifically for healing? things like that
3: or maybe it was god too, saying i'm setting this up yeah yeah and i'm god so right i, I want to use this I you've use... been scared of or you've been told to avoid or whatever yeah but i'm saying, i'm making it good in this case
0: right cuz it's but what what and what it is definitely is that the snakes I mean, on one hand, this is combating the snake bite, so a snake and a snake makes sense. Right. But it's also just—it's powerful. You look—you look at this thing, and it—it it heals you. Um. But again, it's—it's it's a lot different, I would say, than other parts of the, the Jewish old, the Jewish Bible, the Old Testament, as we call it. So just one of those interesting, interesting things that we find in Scripture. Um, we'll stop there because they're going to sort of make this turn going into next week Um, there's some battles coming up so and they're getting ever closer to the to the Holy Land can't remember if there's any more complaining left but I assume there is there always
1: is
0: (laughs) the Lord be with with you God we give you thanks for your Holy Word these stories that have been handed down generation to generation about your people your people in a different time and in a different place that talk to us about your people now, us, Lord. May your word always be a light to our path and a guide on our way, and may it inspire us to live closer to your will by loving you and loving neighbor. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread,